0: Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Rod Babers. It's time for our weekly segment, State of the Program, brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Hey, Rod, uh, each and every Wednesday, we try to take a step back uh, and look at the program as a whole. And this Wednesday, you and I talked about it beforehand. And what we want to talk about is some things that are going on that really are outside the Longhorns' control. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's these preseason polls that are coming about. I'm out. Seeing Texas ranked as high as i as number two next year. I mean, it goes yep. two, three, four. I mean, it's like a list, all in the top ten, if not in the top five. Um, you know, and and I think that it's while it's fair to say you and I both love the trajectory of the program. Is that is that fair to say that
1: we love really it. like
0: the trajectory, yeah. et cetera? Agree. Yeah, I, I think it is too. It, it's still coaches don't look at it that way. And I don't think fans should look at it that way either, necessarily. You have to take a bottoms up approach, not a top down. Oh, well, you're number two. So let's justify you being number two. Mm -hmm. That's not how coaches see that they look at, Hey, how are we at each position and then how are we going to be as a team? And then that might justify number two, uh, number two, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how the, 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 media kind of puts that on you and then you have to justify it going downwards as opposed to a bottoms up approach. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about uh, today.
1: Yep. No, I totally agree. Cause it seems like the way, way too early preseason polls and shout out to uh, Blake Monroe. Cause he did a, uh, a great job. He's got a tweet from a couple of days ago where he basically gathers all of the different preseason poll rankings for Texas. Uh, just real quick ESPN. By Blake Monroe says number two. Fox Sports, number three. CBS Sports, number seven. Pro Football Focus, number three. Sporting News, number three. Action Network, number six. Yahoo Sports, number three. Athla, number three. Bleach Report, number three. Uh, on three, number two. 247, number two. So yes, they, <laughs> they air on the optimistic side of things. If all goes right, if everything goes according to plan, hey man, Texas should be Number two, number three, the best team in the country, and I I I agree with that. I think Texas has that kind of upside and potential. But I think I view things kind of from a more of a coach's perspective, and from a coach's perspective, I have even talked to Coach Shipley about this. You're always looking at where your potential liabilities and holes are, like where where are we weak? All right? You 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 celebrate the strengths a little bit, but you're more anxious and worried and stressed out about your weaknesses. And where your where your liabilities are, and I think that's where a coach. That's why coaches are anxious all the time. That's why they put in so many hours. Um, you know, that's why you know coaches they don't they don't brag and boast about what they're good at, even if they have something that's elite, uh, whether it be a player or whether it be a category. They're more most of the time they're stressed about uh, where they are a little bit vulnerable, uh, where they can be exploited because they know that's how you lose games.
0: Yeah, and and I think this is the other piece too that that I'm trying to get at is. The outside world is telling Texas what they are, yeah, completely. as opposed to Texas saying what they are. You know, mm. and so that that sets a, a a list of expectations on this team. That if you look deeper, it may or may not be be right. I mean, that's yeah. that's my point. I'm looking at it right now, and I, I I'm looking at a Texas team that still has work to do in the portal. You know, how how can you say this team? Uh, is a a top five team right now with maybe a pretty big gaping hole at defensive tackle, or, you know, they've got all their, their top five receivers receivers are gone. (laughs) (laughs) And so while those people can be replaced or, you know, groups can be changed, it's, it's not just as easy as plug and play. It's not, you know, this is, this is college football. There are levels in Texas, Right now, and this is a bigger point that I think is important to make. Texas is not Georgia or Alabama yet. And I and I say yet because they do have three consecutive top five recruiting classes, but they don't have four and five like Alabama and Georgia do. So Texas is going to be a freshman, sophomore, junior heavy team next year, not a junior, sophomore, junior, senior heavy team. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, you want to see that. realize... Yeah, there is a level of that that, look, Georgia's going to Georgia, Alabama, all these people are going to have fourth and fifth year seniors, you know, that are going to be littering their their roster and providing support. Not only are they going to have the youngsters that are also out of this world like Texas is starting to have some of those. Right. So it's a it's a mix that's gradual that one more year of this. And I think you will see Texas get into that. Uh, perennial powerhouse type situation. I really do believe that, but I still think they're one year away. doesn't mean they won't have a successful year in 24. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think yeah. they're one year away from maybe that being the the be all end all. All right, let, let's, so, so what I want to do here is kind of take it position by position, right? And say, okay, this is what they need. This is what they're good at. And this is where they can go, right? And I'm going to start with quarterback. But before I get to quarterback, I do want to say thank you uh, to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy, the Lowy Law Firm. He and his firm have been helping injured Texans for a couple of decades now. If you've been injured in a car wreck, motorcycle, truck accident, uh, give Adam a call. 512-280-0800 or visit him at LowyLawFirm.com. That's LowyLawFirm.com. They give free uh, consultations to anybody that calls in talking about a potential injury claim against another person. All right, let's go to this, uh, Rod, and start with quarterback. We suspect Quinn Ewers will be back for a third year starting, okay? He has not made his announcement as of the time of this, as of the time that we're uh, 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 recording this show right now, okay? We expect him back, though. We expect Arch Manning back. Uh, Trey Owens is on his way in. Um, This should be, and I think this is one of the reasons why, there are so many expectations on Texas next year. The, the media, national media, looks at it and says, when yours is back, he was he hit 70% this year. What if he gets up to 73 to 75% next year? And if he goes down, they got Arch Manning sitting there, who looked pretty good in the little time that he we saw. They may be set at quarterback, and quarterback is the most important position on the field.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I think that's. That's most of the expectations. I looked at the Heisman odds, and I believe Quinn, yours is uh, tied for the best uh, preseason highs, way too early, preseason Heisman odds, too. Uh, because I mean, right now you look at the returning quarterbacks in the country um, and what they what they've achieved, and you go look at the circumstances surrounding them. And Quinn Ewers with a really good, you know, uh, offensive line uh, returning in front of him for the five starters returning on that offensive line. I think the challenge for Quinn, if you're going to play devil's advocate here, is going to be not only to work on the things that he, he's. Uh, coming back for, which are, you know, get deeper into your progressions, uh, showing that he can still have consistent footwork and mechanics when he has to do that, uh, showing that he can even increase his uh, his completion percentage, right? Just get better overall as a player. Uh, but can he uplift the talent around him? Uh, CJ Vogel mentioned this. It was a great point by CJ who said basically, uh, I'm trying to paraphrase it, uh, but he said basically that, you know, last season, or at least the last two seasons, the talent around Quinn has lifted him up uh, because it's been such extraordinary talent. All right. You're going to see it drafted this year. X-Man, A.D. Uh, a. Mitchell recently, but then J.T. Sanderson there, J. Witt. Got a, but those guys are now moving on. Uh, hell, B. John Robinson, throw that out there in Rojo. And, you know, Jonathan Brooks this year. There's a lot of great talent around Quinn that's lifted him up to play at a high level. And he, I think he has gotten better, as you talked about. But now with a lot of unproving commodities around him, you know it's going to be up to Quinn to now uplift the play of those skill position guys right you got to whether whether it be starting in the off season uh, working out with them and making sure that your guys are throwing every day working on you know the the depth of the routes working on the timing of the routes working on the footwork working on the side adjustments all those things that take time and for continuity and chemistry to develop between the quarterback And you got to get most of that in in the off season. Cause you got to hit the ground running during the season with those real live reps. So that's going to be part, of, that's Quinn as a leader, right? It's Quinn as a leader. I remember my boy Sims doing it. I remember, you know, him organizing the workouts in the off season. Right, we're getting together on these days. We're going to throw these days, these hours who can do it, who can't do it. Oh, we got to make that. That's on the quarterback. Most of that is on the QB. He got the, he's the only one with the keys to the practice field. I hope they still do that. I don't know. When I was my day, they had the keys. They can go open it up when it was locked up. They can go out there at midnight. Matt won't throw. So throw. So get it done. Like they they, they literally would have to get so that's up to Quinn. All right. You got a lot of unproved minded Matt will be Matthew Golden coming in, John T. Cook, you know, those young guys. It'll be up to him to try to establish that foundation. Who's in that circle of trust for the wide receivers? So that's what I can't wait for to see how Quinn takes on that chase. He seems to be eager for it. He seems to be eager for it, and I'm excited for him.
0: Yeah, I, I my point is here, and, and I agree with everything you said. There's still room for him to grow, but those aren't crazy expectations for him, right? Him to start uplifting the players around him are not crazy. I thought he did that, actually, against Oklahoma State. I thought he did that at times against other teams as well. I mean, there are times when I think Quinn took those reigns. He didn't always. I thought he did it against Iowa State, to be fair, at times. I mean, big games. I, I thought he did it really well against Bama. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's not like he's devoid of doing that. You're saying, okay, now the next step is all the time.
1: You got, no got no choice. You got no choice.
0: No, this <laughs> is a good point. You're Colt McCoy. You're the straw that stirs the drink now. You're not surrounded by Jamal Charles and those guys, right? You're the guy that, that and Jermichael Finley, people like that. You've got to be mm-hmm. the guy, right? That, I think, that's a good, I think people understand that. And for Texas to move in that direction, Uh, I think that's going to have to happen at running back. It's a little bit different, right? It's we saw what they could be this year late because they've already had their audition. I mean, Jonathan Brooks went down in game 10 against TCU. Cedric Baxter and Jaden Blue split split reps. But are they good enough to really replace Jonathan Brooks? They didn't look like as powerful or as mean powerful is not the right word they didn't look like they were as ready as Jonathan Brooks was to take those rings. And so is that going to be a, a, running back by committee situation? You know, what do you see there about those guys need, needing to step up next year?
1: Uh, first of all, I love, you know, they got, I love their coach. All right. So they get, they're getting, um, you know, kind of great development in that room and that's been proven. I'll also say, you know, Jonathan Brooks, his story is so interesting because he didn't start the first, you know, two games of the season. People forget that he wasn't the starter. He had, he didn't earn a starting job. I guess you want to say that, but he had been preparing for that opportunity behind Bijan, behind Rojo, um, and you could see that when he had his chance to be the guy, he wasn't going to give up that job. <laughs> and uh, whether Sark wanted to name him the starter or not, it was like, nah, that was going to be Jonathan Brooks' job. I'm looking for that type of attitude from a Jaden blue or from um, a Cedric Baxter, right? Because uh, Jonathan Brooks, man, he his work ethic and his ability to produce and his dynamic talent. And those guys got talent too. I mean, they were highly recruited guys as well. Um, But it was something about his, his attitude uh, toward that um, that opportunity that to me really kind of transformed that offense and they're going to have a chance because Sark wants to run the ball and he's committed to run the ball. He's just waiting on a and a running back to uh, basically grab a stranglehold of the job and essentially declare it to be his. We thought it, he thought it was Cedric Baxter last year. It wasn't. Not saying Cedric Baxter can't be that guy, but it was it wasn't. It was Jonathan Brooks who stepped up and became that guy. So even Sark was like, oh, man, I, I missed. He didn't know. Nope. Nobody really knew that if Jonathan Brooks will step up and become the Doak Walker Award uh, front runner. So to me, it's about who snatches the opportunity uh, in that running back room. You got a lot of guys. You're bringing in some really good young talent, too. I think, you know, I think you're going to be so deep in there. You should run some more two tailback sets in that room, because I think you got a lot of talent. And it's proven over time that those guys can produce. Um, I, no matter even if it's Bijan John Orojo or now Jay Brooks, that's a pipeline developing. I'm Alex
0: Rodriguez. I think it's fair to say, Rod, that the emergence of Jaden Blue assuages some fears Texas fans may have over the the running back position because it can't it couldn't be just Cedric Baxter. He got too dinged up too often. Yeah. The fact that Jaden Blue showed well in his in his uh, opportunities gives te- Texas fans and the media like us reason for confidence, right? They, they've got two. They don't just have one. So that gives that kind of covers that wide receivers. Totally different wide receiver and tight end. I mean, wide receiver is just wide open. I mean, Jante Cook had eight catches last year. Now, Matthew Golden comes in. He had 38 or 39 for University of Houston. But after that, we're waiting to see who they get out of the portal. Which young guys is Ryan Wingo as good as advertised is DeAndre Moore ready. Uh, you know, that's that's a totally different one. And then you have Gunnar Helm, who actually is one of the team's leading receivers returning. I think he had 14 catches last year. Um, wow. He's back at tight end. So that gives you at least one tight end, but not necessarily two. The, the the receiver tight end room is a big, fat question mark. Yes, there are possible answers, but we don't know if there are quote-unquote answers, real solutions.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm concerned about it. <laughs> I'm a little anxious about it already. I can't remember a time, Bobby, where the passing game has lost this much productivity. I mean, you 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 remember Texas football better than I do, and you go back further than I do. I can't remember a time. If you, if you include Jay Brooks as a part of it, you include JT Sam's as a part of it, and the three top wide receivers, X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, and Jay Witt, I don't remember a time when you're losing basically 80% are more of your, your passing game.
0: 317 completions for, for, uh, for Quinn Ewers this year, roughly
1: 270 of them went to people that are leaving. I I don't remember that much productivity. I, like I said, I'm sure, I'm sure it's happened. I'm not saying it hasn't. I'll go back and try to do the deep dive. I can't remember a time where like they more they lost that much in the passing game alone. I don't remember. That's a lot. That's a lot to lose in the passing game, man. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, and so we we got to see what they do in the portal, I think, I and mean, we got to see what happens in the spring. It's not that they're devoid of talent, people. No, I got it. People, yeah, people are. When we put a question mark next to something, it doesn't mean that we don't think there is talent in the room. It's just lack of productivity. We don't know what we don't know yet, and exactly. and so you have to put a question mark. One that I'm not putting a question mark on, and that I do think will be better this year is the offensive line. Uh, yes, it's they fair. lose uh, Christian Jones, but they uh, continue to get Jake Majors decided to come back. Everyone else is at, uh, back. Plus, there's a year of experience from a number of guys that I think are big time. The only issue there is they're getting ready to go into a conference that has bigger, batter guys on defensive line in general. And so, yeah. yes, they're going to be better. Will they necessarily, quote unquote, dominate the SEC defensive lines that they see? And I doubt that they do that. Would they have dominated in the Big 12? Yes, I think they would have. I don't necessarily think they're going to dominate. They will at least be a stalemate, if not better, against better competition. Because almost every – the thing about the SEC, almost every team in the SEC has at least two defensive linemen that are going to play Mm -hmm. in the NFL. I mean, that's just – you may only get one when you're playing, I don't know, Kansas State or Iowa State or Oklahoma State. You may get two when you're playing Oklahoma. That's the only only team – you know, and so what do you look at that? You, you you feel good about the offensive line overall, but question whether or not they're going to be dominant or where, where do you come out?
1: Um, I mean, they they were the biggest offensive line in the Big 12. Uh, there's no doubt about this and, and, and the best, but uh, going to the SEC, they won't be the biggest. <laughs> Just uh, that that won't even translate alone to the big humans. They won't be the big, they'll be one of the biggest, but they won't be the biggest O-line in the SEC. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know there'll be a, Mm, there'll be, a, I guess, a growing uh, acclimation period. There'll be some growing pains there. I do anticipate that just because the level of play and like you talked about uh, having that exposure to that many high caliber defensive linemen. But man, the upside of this offensive line, you're talking about some of the best offensive line talent um, that's been accumulated in recruiting in the last what, decade or so for Texas. Um, I anticipate that this offensive line, should be a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. Can they win it? That's a different discussion. We just watched the national title where Washington won the Joe Moore Award, and before that, Michigan won it two prior years before that. So it's about the lines of scrimmage, right? And the SEC, uh, as my man Jeff always says, it's a line of scrimmage league. It's a line of scrimmage league, and Sark built this program, or at least he constructed this program, to contend and compete in the college ball playoff, but he started building it inside out. The big humans um, and the development, obviously, of the the D tackles and the D line. So, yeah, there may be a you know, it's an acclimation period, but I, I expect this offensive line to be leading the way. They should be, in terms of position groups, behind quarterback. They should be the second biggest strength on the team. So, quarterback yeah. and offensive line, right? And if they're not, there's a problem. If they're and, and what I mean, I'm not not hopefully some other group, uh, you know, steps up. and It'll be great if it's a debate. But far and away now, they have the most experienced returning of a behind quarterback. And if you look at high end potential and NFL caliber skill sets and raw materials, they I mean, they got a ton of it, a lot of it and I would be very disappointed if they didn't play better, even in the SEC, if they did, if they weren't better next year than they were this year. This year they were a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award. I expect them to be a finalist. There you go. That's that, my expectation.
0: That, that, that needs to happen. All right, before we go to defense, I want to say thanks one last time to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy of the Lowy Law Firm. Give him a call, 512-280-0800, or visit LowyLawFirm.com for a free consultation you've been injured in a car wreck uh, or an accident uh, that uh, needs uh, some consultation and discussion, that's Adam Lowy at loweylawfirm.com All right. Hey, the defensive line, Rod, Um, this is a an overall situation where I think we both agree the edges should be better. They're both, they're both back. You're adding Colin Simmons, Trey Moore, uh, Justice Finkley's back. Jamon Tapp's got another year. Yep. Colton Bosick should get healthy. Um, but they still weren't hyper productive last year. Um, are they going to be good enough to be hyper productive this year, or are we just going to see incremental improvement of that group? And then on the interior, obviously, it's probably the biggest question mark on the team where you lose two great college football players and to Vondre Sweat and, uh, and uh, Byron Murphy. Impossible to just quote
1: unquote replace those guys. Uh, yeah, that's probably my biggest concern uh, behind the wide the, the passing game, like right, the losses to the passing game, is that the losses to the interior D line over the last two years. Right, you're talking about Cam J. and Maro being drafted two years ago. Byron Murphy and Tabanda will be drafted this year. Uh, Texas has a heavy rotation on defense, especially in the interior D line, and they've had a heavy rotation of what we now know were four. NFL draft picks in the interior D line. Actually, if you I think you'll put Alfred Collins on there, and one day he would be drafted. And I'm we're really happy that he came back because I think that gives you at least a starting point, all right, with that interior D line. Um, but man, how do you I'm with you? How do you replace? And I'm sure that Bo, like I said they got great coaching with Bo Davis, and they have been recruiting um some high caliber talent and so a lot of guys, a lot of guys with great upside. Um, but man, the proven commodities of Kendrick J. more old Jamo Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, all NFL guys and throwing in Alfred Collins rotating in there. I know you're going to have Vernon Broughton, which I think he's going to be, he's going to be fine. I think he was trending the right way towards the end of the season, but behind Vernon Broughton, and Alfred Collins, do you have two other NFL guys? Cause that's basically what you've gotten accustomed to a rotation of four to five NFL guys on your defensive line. And that is a, that's a, that's a hell of a luxury. Now, when you're going to the SEC, I mean, I mean, Georgia may have that. Hell, who knows? Bama may have that. But, you know, Texas was in that conversation last two years. So that's my concern. I love Ethan Burke. I think he's great. I think he's pass rushing. He's got some natural pass rushing skills. I think that'll improve. Baron Sorrell, uh, we talked about him, him transforming his body. Um, And I think that'll continue. And I think he actually is really good against the run. Um, He's got to continue to expand his repertoire of pass rushing moves. Um, But bringing in guys like Colin Simmons, uh, that's going to help you on the edge, too. Um, you know, I think they have, hell, I mean, I think they have the necessarily pieces on the defensive line just uh, initially, but I'm worried about the depth. Frontline guys, I think they're okay. Like I said, Vernon, Brian, Alfred Collins, Ethan Burke, Baron I feel really good about that group. I worry when they start the rotations, how what the quality is of the, the talented depth. Not that I don't believe in it, but it's unproven. Just Once again, another area that's unproven.
0: Linebackers really buoyed by the addition of uh, or the retention, I should say, of David Benda. Um, yes, I think you and I both talk about how certain guys are playmakers. Well, Anthony Hill Jr. is a playmaker, but he's he he didn't need to be the senior in the room as a true yep. sophomore, right? Uh, Mo Blackwell coming back as well. He's a pot. Right. He's a, a piece of the a puzzle. Uh, then you have young guys, especially a guy like. Leonga LaFau as well, well as um uh LaFau as well as uh, uh Darian Galette who we've heard good things of you, you know where are we at right now in that that situation in your opinion does, does Benda returning really make you does this maybe check a
1: mark or check a box for
0: Texas at linebacker for
1: you uh yeah i mean Benda coming back is big right i mean Benda has his limitations as a linebacker but bringing back a, what is it, a fifth or sixth-year senior we're talking about here, yep. it really stabilizes that room. You lose Jalen Ford. I mean, there's no way to replace a guy like that. We've talked about his football character, him as a leader, is one of the best defensive players in the country. So, I mean, talking about replacing that guy, um, I mean, that is a, that's just a sad conversation to have. But you're bringing in other – with Anthony Hill's ascent – He's a different kind of player than Jalen Ford, and I think it, when used correctly as a kind of a a, chess, a movable chess piece, I think he could end up being just a standout defender for you—a a real havoc-minded defender who's around the football. And his leap from year one to year two could be exponential. I mean, it, it he because he's a prodigy. So the the leap from year one to year two, using him as a, a guy on the edge, put him in off ball linebacker, blitzing him through the A gaps. Just he's a, I think his ability to diagnose plays I think could end up uh, being something that really really helps that linebacking core. Uh, the leadership in that room, that's have a young guy. I think Bender now can take over some of that um, and bur- that burden with a guy like Anthony Hill. Um, but Mo Blackwell, I also I'm, I'm with you. I think he's had some quality reps too. So I think they have a great place to start. You got a new linebacker coach, but from everything I hear about Johnny Nansen, he checks all the boxes. Recruiting, ace, can be a rainmaker there. Uh, development, also a got defensive coordinator. So you're talking about scheme, someone who uh, is next level in terms of the football IQ and the, the, the acumen department, um, being someone that can show these guys about the chess match within the game. Uh, so he checks all the boxes. So I, I have no doubt that the loss of Jeff Choate, there won't be too much of a drop off in, in terms of the coaching that these guys are getting. Uh, so it's be up to the young guys. And what in the Arch Manning recruiting class, uh, that class that came in, you had with five linebackers in that class. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be up to th- those young guys now to kind of fill in or push for more playing time in that rotational linebackers. I've actually, I, even though there's been a, some change, Jalen Ford gone, Jeff Choate gone, I don't feel that much anxiety about the linebacker position, strangely enough.
0: Okay. Well, and let's add this. Um, coaches were uh, really high coming out of the uh, winter practice for the Sugar Bowl on not only La- Leonga LaFouille, but also Darian Galette. Keep those two names mm-hmm. in mind uh, as we go forward. All right. Uh, secondary, we're waiting on Jade Barron. Andrew yeah. McCuma gets introduced to, to the group. Uh, but then you have returning starters in Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks at corner. Michael Taff and Derek Williams are back at safety. Really, you lose Ryan Watts, who started a bunch of games for you. You lose Jaron Thompson, who started a bunch of games for you. And you lose Keaton Crawford, who was primarily a special team stalwart. So, I mean, where, where is Texas look right now? And how big a difference is it between with Jaday Barron and without Jaday Barron?
1: It's huge. I mean, that's, <laughs> um, I think without Jaday Barron, uh, there's a possibility the secondary could end up being a liability still uh, for Texas. I think with Jaday Barron, it's, it's not a liability. Potentially could even be a strength for you. um And I, that's, cause if you have him and you bring, you add in a Cuba to that, right? A guy who started three years at Clemson, you know, Jaday Barron has started. He's a multiple year starter for you. Uh, Derek Williams would be the, I guess he's a guy that hasn't had a, full year starting but he did start some games for you later and got some quality reps for you late so i think he he's seasoned enough and those will essentially be your three interior dbs uh and i i think you should cross train i this is my opinion cross train today baron to play safety not not all the time but just when you need him to so when teams try to isolate and manipulate matchups against texas with, you know, formation, the boundary, three by one sets to try to isolate the safeties. They won't, you'll have a solution. You have a built-in solution. Oh, all my safeties can play nickel. So go ahead, please. You know, we don't have to worry about traveling our nickel. We don't have to worry about, you know, formational uh, integrity and that kind of stuff, because, you know, we have safeties that are, they're malleable. They can morph into the nickel DB and the guys they're recruiting actually in this class, they do kind of fit, you know, that mold. And Sark has already talked about position versatility and, you know, the three position DB, which he thinks Kobe Black is. He's already setting it up for his secondary to be, I think, a more multiple in a lot of ways. Um, but, yeah, Jade Barron coming back, man. He's a high football IQ guy. So you're going to have high football IQ from Akuba and from Jade Barron right in the central nervous system of that defense. That is huge. Also, guys who can cover. All right, that and and that would be big as well. Uh, Derek Williams can cover too. Uh, you think about the young corners, Terrence, uh, Brooks and Malik Muhammad. I expect them to get better. Um, I expect Malik Muhammad, who I believe Pro Football Focus actually had him on their all freshman team. Um, had Malik Muhammad on there, so they already, I mean, I like Malik Muhammad, but they like him a little bit too. He's a he, He's he should, he, he kind of strikes me as a guy that could be a prodigy as well, meaning the leap from year one or year two could be exponential for a guy like Malik Muhammad, but we'll see. So I think the the secondary is in a really good place if Jade Barron comes back. If not, then you got to worry about who fills in that nickel role. And then maybe you'll put Makuba there, which is great, but then how do you feel about the safety that's going to occupy that spot that Makuba couldn't play at the safety spots? There's still going to be a weakness in your secondary, potentially, if Jade Barron doesn't come back. If he comes back, I don't know if you have a – just an obvious weakness in the secondary with the frontline guys you're playing. And then you got Tav for, for depth. You'll have, is Gavin Holmes? I believe Gavin Holmes. Yep. Right? Still there with you. You'll have some guys who had some, some reps for depth, um, but you need to make sure that your frontline guys all can cover and that they can't be manipulated in matchups by formations and by personnel groupings offensively when they're hunting matchups. And I think Jade Barron gives you the best chance to be malleable in that manner.
0: Got it. Uh, Special teams, we won't go too far into, but Ryan Sanborn leaves, Keelan Robinson leaves, Keaton Crawford leaves. Those are your punter and your two gunners. Uh, But you get back Burt Auburn, who had another fantastic year for the Longhorns, the field goal kicker, all Big 12 selection. Uh, You got to go find a punter. Um, Will Stone is back on kickoffs. Uh, And then your return guy, you think, instead of Keelan Robinson, is going to be Matthew Golden who actually had a better year returning than uh, Keelan Robinson. You're going to have to figure out what to do at punt returner without Savior worthy. But I don't feel, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like special teams should be fine for for the Longhorns because of two things. A lot of that is manned by, especially your coverage units manned by younger talented players. And Texas has plenty of those on the roster and plenty of them coming in. And then the punt game—you just got to find a punter and a punt returner, because I think guys like Trey Wisner can be a gunner. Uh, I think Jelani McDonald could be a gunner. Like God. Warren Roberson could be that guy, right? They've got guys that can fill those other roles. May not be as good as Keaton Crawford and Keelan Robinson, but they're not necessarily going to be liabilities either.
1: Oh yeah, and any of those special young special yeah, any, any of those young DBs that are not in the rotation for you can be a gunner. Okay. I mean, D, D, DB really fits the the skill set you need to be gunner. I was a gunner. I was a really good gunner, actually. I remember seeing the Detroit Lions coach. I don't know. Maybe it was like, that, that, that was the special teams coach, uh, probably like, I don't know, maybe one of the Texas Pro Days not too long ago. And he was like, Babers, hell of a gunner. And I was like, hey, thanks, <laughs> coach. Because <laughs> um, I was a good gunner. I mean, Gunner was, I mean, it's pretty simple. You can just shake the man line of scrimmage, and then it's all speed after that speed and effort. And I'm with you. I think you can find it really. Now, Keaton Crawford and Keenan Robinson were special in that regard, but I do think you could find uh, with the athleticism and speed they're recruiting, that's a trait they prioritize. I think you can find capable Gunners. But uh, the punt return, I'm interested in who they're going to assign to that role, right? I love the, the story that Xavier Worthy never returned punts in high school, wasn't something he did. And then yeah, Jeff Banks and started like, yeah, you're fast. You got good hands. All right. Those are the two traits we need for, and fearless. You're fearless. You got good hands and you're fast. Apparently you ain't even got to have experience with punt return. Just, just have those traits. I don't know who fits that. I guess Matthew Golden can do it for you. Right. Fearless guys that fast got good hands. He could do it. Um, So it will be interesting to see maybe one of these, these uh, transfer portal targets at receiver they're bringing in maybe they look at that as an added value for one of those guys who can return punts for you but i think they'll be okay there with the explosive talent just matthew golden alone he may have be overburdened there um but i think uh bringing him in makes me feel good about the return game and also jeff banks i just hey in jeff banks i trust man this he th- he has not had an off year really i mean sarkat went off year when he was building the offense Um, you know, PK had that one, you know, off year early on too. Now that they've both booked the offense and defense, you know, they got those things rolling They're considered, you know, two of the best outfits uh, and phases in the country, but man, special teams, we don't give them enough credit. Texas had, if you consider them to be if top 25, top 30 special teams units. And I would say probably even more than that, depending on what specialties metric you're looking at every year that Jeff Banks has been here. So yeah. he's he's a hell of a special teams coach. So I trust him in that regard. They're bringing in a punter, punting, punting, punt early. early. Uh, They're bringing in one in this recruiting class. And, I mean, Bert Auburn, you talked about it. The guy may end up breaking records on the 40 acres. So
0: May end up – he's got a chance to become the all-time leading scorer in the University of Texas history. He, if he takes two more years, it's really a possibility. All right, Rod, that's going to do it for State of the Program. The, the idea here for me was I wanted to really give a in-depth look at each position because I I feel like there are positives and question marks surrounding yep. the team right now. And just throwing it out there, oh, we're ranked number three, doesn't really address those. You know, it, it doesn't really address those. So, all right, Rod, thanks for doing that uh, for us. Thanks also to Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm for his sponsorship. Uh, that's been today's state or this week's state of the program. For Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. Hook them. Hook em.